Hello and welcome. If anybody is even still here, I, you would have thought like us taking a week off, you would have thought this was the first time that we've ever done a podcast. I have ran into so many technical issues for no reason at all. I just, I was so frustrated. But anyways, welcome. Uh, are you there, Justin? Can you hear me? No, I can hear you. Yeah, we're good now. We're good now. Oh, I can't hear you. No, I'm just kidding. Are you serious? Oh my <laughs> no, God. I'm just kidding. We spent but, the last like ten minutes trying to solve audio issues, and uh, and I even got never on early. Guess fix it. Yeah, restarting the browser. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you could have heard me. I actually suggested that like ten minutes ago. Oh, we should have texted you, but you couldn't hear me. So yeah, or I well, well, no, you could hear me. Yeah. Well, it looks like we had uh, we have Miles stopping in to say hello. I'm not sure what if up, I know Miles, Miles but hello, Miles. Uh, but anyways, uh, welcome uh, to the oh, tonight's says, episode. Again. Yeah, uh, this is uh, episode 139 of Nerds with Mics. Um, for those of you that might be watching or listening for the first time, and this is your first time tuning into us, we are a podcast about movies, TV shows, video games, pop culture, pretty much all things in the realms of pop culture. Uh, we we do lean a little heavy in the video games and movies that's kind of where we uh where we we land but uh tonight we have an interesting one we're kind of going away from the traditional game conversation uh we're going to talk about the rise of ai uh which i'm really excited to because i think justin and i have different varying opinions on this so i'm really excited to see where this goes uh and then we're also going to talk about we're going to use this as a way to tie in to um to the current uh writers slash actors uh strike that's going on right now and how those kind of two things go hand in hand i need to get new glasses because these standbys that i have make me look like i have some really nice uh really nice <laughs> eyeliner you like that um but anyways uh yeah thank you um for those that have uh, joined in it looks like we also have um another uh person popping in to say hello want to welcome uh welcome you i'm pretty sure you probably have came to came over from nostalgia unbox uh judging by your uh what looks like a little ninja turtle there uh from what yeah. i can see controversial so toys i'm yeah, curious yeah. like what exactly like what toys are deemed controversial i've yes. never really thought about that well i guess you and i are gonna have to go to i imagine they have a channel we'll have to find out yeah. and see have to check it out um, the show. but yeah we will have to check it out for sure um and they did say yes uh they did uh it was yeah, and he said, time for some independent takeover. That is correct. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I would be interested to know what controversial toys uh, are in regards yeah. to like which ones and whatnot. So yeah, but I'm we, interested to hear that. Yeah, but we do appreciate you stopping by. So yeah, so let's get into it. But before we do so, uh, we always like to try, start off by talking about what we've been up to. Uh, last week, uh, we ended up taking off just because I know work is really busy for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know also... Uh, it, you were solo parenting there for a hot minute, uh, just with, uh, your wife being out of town and whatnot. So, uh, we are back into it. Uh, so what have you been up to this week? Let all of our viewers and listeners know what it is you've been up to for the last two weeks. So I actually forget what I talked about the last time, but I finished the bear season two. I don't know if I told you all that, but it's worth okay. repeating. Cause that show is a masterpiece. Uh, I need to watch it. it. If you haven't watched it, you need to. It's so good. Um, Mission Impossible. I saw the new Mission Impossible movie, and I would like to back up a little bit and say, back in twenty, I think eighteen or nineteen, when Fallout came out, I said on this show, <clears throat> I'm going to watch all of those movies, get caught up, and watch Fallout. I didn't do that. I watched the first two and stopped watching. 
Well, I saw a trailer for Dead Reckoning Part 1 and said, you know what? I'm going to watch all those movies and then watch it. And you know what? I did. So um, I finally watched them all. Great movies. Great movies. And I'm telling you right now, every time they do the mask trick, it gets me every time. I love it. (laughs) Every time, every what's, time, baby. What's funny? Did you end up? So, did you say you end up going back and watching them all leading up to the new one, or did yeah. you just watch a recap? I watched them all. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, I yeah. watched one and two, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in twenty eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, but what's funny though is they somehow like you would have thought they would have left left the mask trick behind long I ago, it. but it's they somehow figure out a way to do it in every movie. And what I also find funny. Is it's like it's always Ethan Hunt and his team are the only people doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't time, have the patent on that, right? Like every time it happens, I turn into uh, Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development whenever Gene Parmesan shows up. I'm like, ah, Gene! You know, every time it, it just gets me, and I love it. That um, is hilarious, dude. I I love those movies though. I saw Dead Reckoning Part One though in theaters. Uh, uh, it was awesome. I really kind, liked it, which it, also has to do with AI. I was going to say, it kind of ties into our topic tonight. So yeah. it's uh, very, very interesting. Uh, uh, what else were you up to? Yeah. So well, first, I love that movie. It was great. Uh, I beat Final Fantasy 16. That's actually the real reason why we didn't record last week. I was, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, that game. Uh, so like, if you've never played a Final Fantasy game before, this is a pretty good intro game because it's not turn-based. It's, uh, it, it honestly is pretty simple compared to the the previous entries like a lot of games before that you had to manage all these things you know your 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 magic and all this stuff this one's kind of just like an action adventure game um so it's kind of simple when it comes to that um the story though man that's just like so freaking good and like by the time it was over like i was just sad i was sad because of what had transpired i was sad because it was over so yeah um Highly recommend that game. Um, I also then have jumped back into Final Fantasy 14. I'm caught up now on all the post Endwalker content. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 Fan Fest is this weekend, so we should get uh, details on the new expansion pack, uh, which should come out next year. And then I jumped into Remnant 2 like an hour and a half ago. Um, uh, the fine folks at Gearbox uh, gave us a copy, and uh, I started playing it, and it is great so far if you played the first one did you play the first one travis uh i i dabbled in it but i didn't play a ton of it now okay i'm only like so it's been years since i played the first one and i've only played like an hour of this one but already it feels like infinitely better and it actually like looks visually impressive i thought the first one looked kind of rough uh in its it, its state when it came out this one looks pretty good graphically i mean you can tell they're definitely taking advantage of the ps5 hardware um but yeah i'm really liking it so far I'm only an hour in. I've not even scratched the surface. I just unlocked co-op, um, but I'm I'm really liking it. So uh, I, I see a lot of Final Fantasy 14 and Remnant 2 in my future for the next week or two, at least. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I want to start Bear, so I'll probably that'll be the next show. I'll probably start because uh, one of the things that I accomplished last week is I uh, I watched. Um, the last and inf- the new slash last season of Jack Ryan. Uh, and that was really good. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I don't think I, Marley liked it. No, I don't think she did either. She's not a big John Krasinski fan. No, she's really not. Um, yeah, I don't blame her. 
yeah, I don't, yeah, he's, he's a total ham. Right. Um, but I think <laughs> I mentioned, face. yeah, I, <laughs> I think I mentioned before, uh, I beat Hogwarts legacy. Uh, I beat the main campaign. Uh, but last week I went and actually, uh, or this week I should say, I went and actually got to the level that I needed to, to do the final ceremony and everything like that. So I officially beat oh, cool. the game. Uh, I think I mentioned also last week I beat Diablo, um, which I just wrote for that. Yeah, I just wrote a review about it. It's up on our website if you want to check it out. I also watched uh, Mission Impossible with my buddy Alex. We watched it at IMAX, and it was fantastic. Um, And then been playing some Magic the Gathering online. Um, And then is that a a mobile app or like a PC, like a Steam app, or what is that? Yes. All of the Both? above. Okay. That's a great you can, yeah, you can play it on your phone. You can play it on your iPad. And it's also available on, uh, I think you have to download it through the Epic client. But yeah, it's it's available. No, I'm sorry. It's available on Steam if you're getting it on PC. If you want to put it on Mac, you have to get it through Epic. So I got a question about this game. About Magic? I know like if I play Magic the Gathering like in person, which I've never played before, right? Okay. I have to like go and buy cards, right? Yeah. Does this game like make you buy cards or does it just like give you a deck and you can earn them? No, there's definitely tons of starter decks. And as you play, uh, as you play, you'll get in-game currency that you can use to buy packs of cards. And you can even build your own decks like based on the cards that you have. Yeah. So I've been uh, dabbling with Marvel Snap, which I know I've been told from people who play card games. It's like a very simple card game, but I've never played one before. But I'm hooked on Marvel Snap. Like, yeah, I'm a junkie. Yeah, so so uh, one of my friends, um, uh, Preston, he's also one of the uh, co-hosts of the uh, the Testing Room podcast. He is very heavily into uh, Marvel Snap. He is deep down the 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 rabbit hole. He's yeah. he's hit uh, level one hundred, I think, a couple times, um, and he's like, uh, which I think is like. In, in, infinite level infinite, or infinity yeah. level yeah so so he goes hard in the paint uh in that game um i i tried it i may go back i it's probably more than nostalgia and i'm just used to magic which is which is what i prefer i'm not a big fan of the lane uh like the lane card games as much uh yeah. they kind they kind of remind me like a card based version of like dota or league of legends is kind of like the card based version that's kind of what it reminds me of um but uh but no i mean I've never felt like with Magic the Gathering, like it was a pay to wait, a pay to win situation. You know what I mean? Um, What's cool too is if you do go out and buy physical games, if you go out and buy buy starter decks, so say if you're just new, you can go out and buy a starter deck for 20 bucks that will come with two two complete decks for you just to learn how to play. And then it'll also come with some redemption cards that you can redeem those in games and it gives you those same decks that you bought physically virtually in the game as well. So cool. uh, just something you could check out as well. Um, so if you've been but, playing the game though for like 10 years, you're just out of luck though for that. There's no way to import your cards. No, you can't retroactively do it. No. And that's only I for know like how the, they would, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they do re-release cards occasionally. So, uh, and if that's the case, then you might be able to, uh, but right now they have the whole Lord of the Rings set that's out right now. Um, which I just built a custom like play mat for, uh, which is kind of cool. It turned out really well. I bought it through Etsy after I designed it, and it actually turned out really well. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much all I have been up to this week. Um, but yeah, so what we really wanted to get into, anything Hold you up, wanted to add? Hold up, you left something off. Oh, what's that? Did, did I? Did you see Oppenheimer? Oh, yeah, I saw I- I- Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I was ready to hear about Oppenheimer. I haven't seen it yet. 
So Oppenheimer, uh, you saw Barbie on Friday at midnight though, right? You wore that pink tuxedo. You put your picture on Instagram. You look really good. I just wore a pink speedo. Honestly, I wore (laughs) a pink, I wore a pink banana hammock and that's what I, no, it's probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a plantain. I have, you know, uh, anyways, um, (laughs) no, but, uh, yeah, I went and saw Oppenheimer actually right before I got home for this podcast. It started at three 45 and let out at seven, <laughs> a little after seven, actually. Um, Is it an IMAX? Uh, no, but I plan to. Uh, mm-hmm. I really just wanted to see it uh, just because I've been really wanting to see it. But every IMAX showing is like sold out here. So fun fact, there's only nine. So even though there's IMAX, IMAX all over the country, there's only 19 IMAX theaters in the entire country that is set up to actually watch the film as it's intended, uh, which Jeez. is 70 million which is 70 millimeters. And there is one here, but I checked that theater five days out. Every show is sold out. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know Gosh. if you saw, I, I, I texted it in our group chat. Um, so Barbie has made, uh, let me look. Here oh real yeah. Quick. That. Yeah. So Barbie so far has made 162 million and Oppenheimer has made 82 million, which is pretty wild to see. Um, yeah, but, uh, but no, it was great. Uh, it was a cinematic masterpiece. Uh, the story was really good. Um, I, uh, I kind of wish I would have like went and looked up a little bit more about Oppenheimer as an actual character before going into it. I went in kind of blind, obviously just knowing he's the father of the atomic bomb. And that's literally all I knew. Um, had no, no idea it was going to have like, um, uh, shoot, uh, Albert Einstein in it and all kinds of oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, He's yeah, the one was... that wrote the letter to FDR. To, so like I, okay. I wrote my junior You're a history research buff, paper. Yeah. yeah. I was a history major. I wrote my junior research paper on the Manhattan project. So like this really? is I'm very interested in, in seeing. Yeah. I really felt like it was, it was broken up in a way that it almost felt like three movies combined into one without any okay. spoilers. It's like you have like kind of like the first part of the story leading up to why they need to even create this or they want to create this. Then you have the part where they're in the town creating up to the point where there's detonation and testing. And then you have all the, and no pun intended, but all the fallout that happens after. So like, it's really broken up into three really good fleshed out areas. And normally I'd be like, ah, it's too long, but like, honestly, like, I, I don't think they could have done a movie this way unless it was three hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause no section felt rushed, but it also didn't felt like it took too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only time, the only thing I will say is when up until the point where there's the actual detonation, there's still an hour of the movie left after that, That's which crazy. deals with the fallout. So everything felt like decently paced up until the last hour. And then that's when it started to feel a little slow. Cause it's more of like the, it turned into almost like a court drama after that. If you know, you know, um, I think but I Robert Downey, it's going to tackle, but Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Killed it. I mean, all that's of heard. all of it killed it. And there's people that like showed up that I didn't know was in the movie. Like, uh, is it Rob? How do you, Malik is his last name. I can't ever remember. Robbie Malik. Yeah. He, he was in it. And I was like, I didn't even know he's in this. Like he was from the boys is in it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, phenomenal cast, really well executed. Uh, definitely would recommend checking it out. It's definitely a movie, regardless if you see it in IMAX or not, it's definitely one of those movies that you want to see in theaters. If you don't, you're going to hate yourself. Just because, like, while I will probably rewatch it at home, and I am going to go see it again at an actual IMAX, like, 
you would want to experience this movie. They do such a good job capturing like, just like, you know, the detonation and just like, just the, some of the effects they do. It's, it's really, really cool. I would highly recommend, highly recommend checking it out. Nice. So thank you for reminding me. I thought I had mentioned yeah. it, but no, I clearly are, are you going to see, are you going to see Barbie? Yeah. Yeah. I plan on going to see yeah. Barbie. I, I want to do it right. I want to do the whole Barbenheimer experience when, yeah, when I yeah. get a day to do that. See, I was, I was going to try to do that with Maxwell. Cause I'm going to see him Wednesday and I'll be in Raleigh for like five days. However, him and I, and I think another one of his friends, Ryan are going to be working his booth at galaxy con. Nice. And I don't think, I mean, we're pretty much going to be working most of the time I'm there. So I don't know if we'll even have time to do that. So, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to at least see it ahead of time. Not that I felt like the movie would have been spoiled for me, but like, I just wanted to, yeah, you know, cause it's history, obviously, yeah, uh, of course. but, uh, but no, totally worth checking out in theaters. Highly recommend it. I think the next game I'm going to start. I know I've mentioned this last time, either tears of the kingdom or final fantasy 16. However, after hearing you talk about final fantasy 14 and my friend Alex and Christian always going on about final fantasy 14, it makes me want to actually try to dive into that game. I mean, that's going to be a 400 hour commitment until I get caught up. I mean, I'll boost my character. I don't care. Oh, jeez, Don't do that. I'll go straight to 70. Tell me I won't. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, um, but, yeah. But I, anyway. I, I would recommend 16 first because 16 is a linear story. There's not a lot of straying off the path with tears of the kingdom. You could spend your whole life in that game if you wanted to, you know? Yeah. I think um, my one, uh, my friend Christian said, I think he beat it in around. He said, I want to say he said somewhere between 40 and 60. I want to say he was more in the 60 range, but I could be 40. Wrong. Exactly. Was it? Yeah. Not think he a hundred percent of it. He didn't mainline. Oh, he just did all I of it. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you, if you do jump into 14, um, that game is so user-friendly as far as, like, you can be on one server, I can be on another, and I can just travel to your server and play with you. That's how it should be. Super accessible. I agree. Yeah. Super oh, accessible. And the fact that, like, if you create a character and you're not happy with the cl- the job, the class that you have, you can just change your job. You don't have to, like, make a whole new character. I wish I could do that in real life. It's, I mean, you, you can. <laughs> um, you know what? But, yeah. yeah. So if you, uh, if you need help, man, hit me okay. up. Okay. For sure. Jumping. And my friend Greg, I'm sure he would tag along. He's a, an addict. Like he needs help. Uh, he's if got they that. had Final Fantasy Rehab, he'd be checked in constantly. They'd never let him out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive in. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we get into this? I don't think so. So I'm going to take a swig real quick because it's going to be a real lengthy conversation, I feel like. All right. And there he goes down the hatch. Down the hatch. I got one of these new bottles. Have you seen these? Well, they're not really new. They've been out for a few months. but There's a filter like- in it? Well, it's a regular water bottle, but this is like one of these is like a flavored pod. So when you suck water through yeah. it, it flavors it with different flavors. But I found out what that it works with sparkling water. So I was like, I'm in. So, what flavor do you have in there? Uh, fruit punch, like a child. That's, that's good. <laughs> but no sugar or anything like that. So yeah. just when I'm looking for something a little different, you know. Okay. Um, but anyways, uh, so let's go ahead. I feel like starting with the rise of AI is probably an appropriate place to start, and then we will transition into the writer's strike. Sure. I know the writer's strike is something that you've been following more closely, where I think I've been following more the rise of the AI a little bit more closely. Yeah. So I think this will I think this will work out. Um, so obviously it's no secret that with AI has obviously emerged uh, you know, to really kind of transform how things are done across various industries, right? You know, we talked uh, you know, I think not only in TV and film, but also video games. I would imagine it's even probably going to affect the way that people are writing books as well. Right. Um, You know, I think in recent years, the entertainment sector, I think is really 
I think it's really hit particularly like the TV and film industry, probably the hardest versus out of all the other categories, I would say in that, um, you know, obviously the writing and gaming is a big, like, you know, cause without writing and games, you don't really have a story to tell. Right. So obviously it's gonna, it's gonna affect the gaming industry as well, but I think more so the TV and film industry, I think is who it's going to impact the most. If I had to guess, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I mean, uh, overall, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to see it impact a lot of different areas. I mean, you're talking about having, there's been discussion of like, like the self-driving cars, like trucks, semi trucks being replaced with AI powered trucks that would then wipe out an entire workforce. I mean, it's going to, it's going to hit us in places we didn't expect to get hit. I feel like, I mean, that's why, so we do have a different difference in opinion on this. So, yeah, I mean, Lord, they already have a, a completely automated McDonald's, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I think it's inevitable that we're going to see, obviously, the uh, you know kind of the consequences of AI, whether it be good or bad, spill across multiple industries. Uh, I know that you probably you see it as no, no good, all bad. Which... Not all bad. So, I okay. I'm not going to get political. <laughs> okay, but. Our sounds country, like you're going to get so here we go you said our country now our country is not prepared to handle ai replacing workers at this state so if you go in and you replace every truck driver with a self-driving ai powered vehicle you're talking like millions of truck drivers who make a decent salary no longer having that salary and we have no safety net for them like that is true and that's just one industry like if you replace, you know, twenty percent of our industry with AI-powered workers, and it's just going to get bigger. I mean, so I don't think in our current state we are anywhere near ready for an AI takeover until we have some sort of government. I hate to even say this because it sounds like an oxymoron, but some sort of government safety net or right. some sort of legislation that will either a protect the workers or b provide for the workers who are displaced. Because yeah. I don't see a scenario in which we just don't get completely effed over. It's going to be very hard to find, and I know we haven't even gotten into this yet, but no. it, it's going to be very hard to find to strike a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's there's a few topics, and this is even outside of AI, Just there's very few topics that's not just black or white. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, it's there's extremely gray. Yeah, there's moral dilemmas. I mean, there's the... There's the um, you know, there's the issue of obviously driving people out of jobs, like all kinds of stuff. Uh, part of it is like part of the discussion is is part of this, like stealing uh, work from other people that's actually done the work. You know what I mean? Like because it pulls obviously from algorithms across the Internet. Right. So like, yeah. is it is it stealing? You know what I mean? Um so really, that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. Uh, but we, I'm at least for me uh, on the AI portion, we're going to talk about uh, the positive and negatives effects, and we're going to kind of have a little dialogue around that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we want to hear what you have to say, so feel free to engage throughout the conversation and be a part of that. Um, but really, we're going to talk. We're going to explore how you know this is, could potentially could potentially reshape like what is. What is creativity? What is storytelling? How can it change like 
audience engagement and also overall just the entertainment experience, right? So let's talk about, I always like to lead in with the positives first, right? Like I always want to lead in with the positives and then we'll talk about the negatives. Um, so some of the positives, right? Um, and Justin, I didn't share these notes with you for this reason specifically. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad you didn't. I wanted to learn as I'm. Well, not only not only this, but I wanted it to be genuine dialogue, and I wanted it to be in the moment. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, let's go. Because I because I know typically we have a shared document where we see each other's stuff, but I yeah. have been working on this for about a week, and I oh, wanted. Yeah, no, 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 it's good. Uh, so let's talk about something just simple, right? Let's talk about enhanced visual effects, right? So okay. there is actually AI-driven tools that uses algorithms. Um, and what this does is it obviously empowers filmmakers to create visual effects. Um, now I already know where this is going to go with you. Uh, you know, some of this is it w- would be deemed as maybe not possible or better yet is impossible. You know, through AI-powered animations and deep learning techniques, Justin, uh, characters and settings can be brought to life with astonishing realism. Speaking of which, I meant to ask you one thing I forgot to mention, and this is slightly off topic, but it made me think of it. Did you watch the most recent Gemstones? Oh, my God, yes. Okay, well, we could talk about that offline. This show is fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. I think this might be the best season so far. But anyways. You might be right. I was so anxious during this last episode. And I have to ask this, and this is video game related. So the cult, is that not just straight taken from Far Cry 5? But scarier. (laughs) I know, right? I know. (laughs) But no, what I thought about that is when they recreated um, Mama June or Mama whatever her name is, like a holograph, right? I was just thinking about that. Um, But anyways – so there are tools that are AI based that obviously help with, you know, enhancing visual effects. I know they even have Photoshop now, stuff now where it can automatically generate a part of a photo that's not originally there. Right. Like, I don't know if you've seen videos of that yet. Um, but so one advantage is is taking and enhancing visual effects in film, video games, movies, and also like recreating people that maybe not may not be alive that's why that's why i was asking if you saw the most recent gemstones because i know that was uh, in this yeah. season that's what they talked about um so yeah so that's one positive but i know what you're gonna say is well right now that's somebody's job that does that right that so is what's true your, what's we have your artists thoughts? actual artists that do that job yeah well what's your thoughts on ai, AI being used as a tool by the artist. I think that's fine. I think if we can find ways to make our lives easier, I mean, if we have, okay, if you have a visual effects artist that is using AI with their job, that then allows the actual artist to be more creative and feed more to the AI. AI, this might be a really dumb thing to say because it might not be true. I just feel like AI can't be creative. It doesn't lack that kind of, or it lacks that ability to actually be creative it's always going to be borrowing from something it's learned you know that is correct so i would let the artist use the ai as a tool as opposed to the ai replacing the artist yeah i agree with that because ai i mean it is still relatively new and it's not perfect by far i mean i don't know if you've seen there's some head there's an app that will make professional headshots just based off one of your pictures but if you look at the if you look at the hands they're all weird just because there's certain things that it doesn't know. Yeah. I believe that if AI can be used as a tool to enhance the output that the individual is doing, I am in that camp. However, I'm not, I'm I am not in the camp of it replacing what the artist is doing. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, if uh, you let AI take over 
creativity like that, we're going to lose. I mean, it's going to sound dumb when I say it like this, but you're going to lose those like little touches that makes the artist's work stand out or like Easter eggs, right? Individual, especially because if AI is pulling from the same content on the internet for the same job, you're going to start to see the gap between artists start to close, like be less separated because it's pulling from that same content. So the individuality is not going to stand out nearly as much as what it does now. You know what I mean? Um, So that's one thing. Um, uh, The second thing that I had had written down here was, Personalized content recommendations is what I had. So with AI algorithms and analy- uh, analyzing, uh, another thing that AI makes me think of is in the uh, not this not this season, but season before last of Barry, where her show got canceled based on the algorithm. And the algorithm, you know what I mean. So this makes me think of this as I read it. So, you know, with obviously the algorithm. Uh, user preferences and viewing habits uh, to offer personalized content recommendations. Streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime have utilized AI to, uh, to cater uh, to individual taste, increasing viewer satisfaction and more prolonged engagement. Let me ask you something. How often do you actually, on a whim, try a show that you haven't heard about by either by mouth or by recommendation via ad or because an actor you know have been in it how many shows have you discovered based on a recommendation that was curated by the streaming service think about it i i honestly can't recall a single show um now i may watch a trailer but then it's really the trailer that's going to sell me on it like maybe the, the recommendation introduced us that's what the I'm trailer wind and dined me. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if you <laughs> notice now on Netflix over the past like six months to a year, when you're on the home screen, a lot of times it's bringing up trailers and playing them on the menu screen yeah. while you're doing stuff as opposed to expecting you to click into it because it looks interesting. Yeah, you know what I sure. mean? So just something to think about there. I like that. it. Co- I'll tell you the AI that I like, and it's not even really AI, but do you, I can't remember. Do you have an Apple TV? Yeah. So I like the way that Apple does it where it has the watch next and it only is offering up the shows of the next episodes of stuff that I'm currently watching and then everything else is left alone. Yeah. That's the approach that I prefer. Yeah. Cause I myself have not really ever found a show to your point, just based on oh things we might think you like, unless there's like a video that plays. I'm like, Oh, that looks interesting. I'll check out. Cause I will typically always give any show that looks interesting, at least the first episode to try to grab me. And if it doesn't, then I just move on. Yeah. So, but for some people having stuff recommended that maybe don't hear about things via, you know, by mouth from another person or like, you know, they follow an actor or actress, you know, throughout their career and they just are going to watch like me. If I see Danny McBride in something, I'm going to check it out. Oh, I'm watching it every time he was on a, yeah. uh... He was on Smartless recently. It was really good. Oh, really? Highly recommend uh, it. Yeah. One thing uh, I want to add to your algorithm thing is like I don't – so like obviously I stated early before my fear is kind of like displacing workers, right? I don't really feel like that particular use of AI has displaced any worker because I don't imagine a world where there's – I mean I could be wrong. I, I'm kind of dumb I guess. But like I don't think that before the algorithm there was like one guy going – Oh, Justin watched Breaking Bad and House of Cards. He's probably going to want to watch The West Wing. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't think like that's as big of a deal. You know what I mean? Because I don't right. think that actually. Repl- I think that's more of like just being useful. I yeah. Mean, 
where I see the algorithm replacing a person isn't due to, I don't think so much content recommendations, but um, I think for forecasting, like a company that uses AI to forecast business, like while that may be really convenient, that that is somebody's job. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. forecasting and stuff like that. Um, all right. So the third thing I have is streamline. And this is kind of to our point about making things easier on individuals as opposed to replacing them uh, is streamline production processes. So, you know, with AI being able to automate sev several labor intensive, uh, you know, jobs like uh, for pre-production, production, post-production post processes, you know, AI can accelerate, I think, certain workflows uh, from script writing to casting to video editing and color grading, reducing cost and saving time. This one I'm split on. Um, the biggest reason is, is like with these things being labor intensive, I think if something is labor intensive, right, you're going to have more people working on the show. If you make these tasks less labor intensive, chances are you're going to have to hire less staff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that could go either way. I think yeah. that kind of toes the line. Now, when it comes to video editing and color grading, that I think is one of the things that could really be used to enhance the workflow of the individual doing the work as opposed to replacing them. Because yeah. I've done color grading and it is very it is very time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I think as long as that's being used as a tool to enhance the output of the individual as opposed to replacing, I'm about it. Um, but I think that one can kind of go either way. You know what I mean? Uh, the next one, and this is kind of what we were just talking to. So targeted marketing and audience insights. So what I have for that is, you know, with a AI uh, analytics, like we mentioned, uh, this can be what it uses to provide uh, insight into audience behaviors, right? So like how long are they engaging with a show? Um, you know, is, are they coming back? Like, like for instance, like the Witcher where they're releasing it in two parts, like, are people coming back to watch the second part, or do you find that they're not coming back to watch the second yeah. part? So more just algorithm-based things. Um, Instagram. I think have you seen, like, what Instagram does with theirs? Mm -mm. So, like, when you're scrolling on Instagram, right, and, like, there's an ad that comes up or a sponsored or a targeted whatever post, if you stop, it basically, it's monitoring your scroll speed, yeah. right? And if you slow down and look at it, even if you don't click on it, it knows we got your attention. Yeah. And you're going to see more like that. So maybe on the next one, you'll click it or maybe you'll stop and read a little bit longer and you go on. It, it's, it's very invasive. Did you, like. did you watch the social, uh, I think it was called social dilemma or yeah, there's a Netflix documentary where essentially they were talking about how these companies are basically making digital. And when I say digital avatars of you, I don't mean like you're yeah. look like you, but oh, they're yeah, based, yeah, yeah. all your behaviors essentially are just Facebook, you can find yours, or you used to be able to. Yeah, you can see um, like, what it thinks you are, like right. your your political affiliation, your gender, your marital status. It like knows just, and that's just based on how you behave. Yeah, it, it makes an assumption about you. Yeah. So, so for this, you know, obviously, I think with targeted marketing, I think insight for your audience. I think this will help a company, uh, even if it's like a like a smaller company will help uh, like whatever, whoever the content creators or the market developers be able to target their audience better and more effectively. So in turn, that could be something positive as long as that is being used as a tool by an individual and not something that's eliminating jobs once again. Yeah. Um, 
Now, this one is kind of a hot topic, uh, and it could go either way, and I think we're going to talk about this more. Uh, I have more notes on this when we get into the actual actual actor strike portion. Sure. Um, but this is this is a two-parter. Deep fake. Yeah. And digital restoration. Yeah. So when you say digital restoration, what do you mean? So taking um, old film, right, or things that uh, aren't up to today's standard as far as quality mm-hmm. and bringing that to like a, like a new level. So I think about the old war movie that I don't know if you ever saw the war movie or maybe it was more of a documentary that Peter Jackson did. Yeah. Um, where he basically used AI to basically. I what it was called. Yeah. They'll not but, grow old or something like that. Yeah. So that that's what I mean by like a digital uh, restoration or also even not even film, but for photos. Like if you're yeah. trying to restore old photos that were maybe in a house or damaged or whatever. Um, I think that's actually fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with AI technology, uh, you know, like I said, this has kind of been what's allowed like enabled restoration, like for classic films, enhancing image quality, preserving cinematic heritage. Um, however, with that being said, because that's where it started, but now it's raised concerns regarding the misuse of deep fake technology and its potential to spread misinformation. So that's why I was saying it's a two-parter. Yeah. So I think <laughs> the positive portion of that is the digital re- uh, uh, restoration, but deep fake is where you get into the um, kind of the the whole moral ar- argument about like, you know, like because I know that. Um, James Earl Jones basically signed over the right. Well, not signed over his rights, but basically gave permission to use his voice in future Star Wars films after he's gone. That's crazy. You know what I uh, mean? I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I, I guess it's his voice. I guess really, there's. And I his think, call. and I think that in that in itself is where, like, is it okay if somebody gives permission? I mean, obviously, it's not okay to not do it if they don't give permission. But, like, does it make it right if somebody just says, yeah, I don't care? So here's my – Because we're going to get into the negative after this. So go ahead. So here's my thought on it. Would I love to hear James Earl Jones' wonderful pipes voice Darth Vader for the rest of my life? Yeah. But the reality is he's going to die. He's going to die. He is. He is. You can make he's going to become he's a force ghost. <laughs> yeah. He's going to die at some point. Um, and just let him move on. <laughs> I mean, just let him die. Let that, you know, that part of it die. Get another voice actor. I mean, if you're going to re- keep that character going, I just, I feel like we're going to end up to a point where like, it'll be 50 years from now and there'll be no new actors in Hollywood because we still have, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio looking like he's 50 doing uh, an AI Martin Scorsese movie. So, I mean, I just, I feel like that's, um, just let Which the guy I, die. You know? I can't Never... wait. I, I mean, off topic, I can't wait for Leo's uh, and Scorsese's new movie, but that's besides the point. Yeah, Killers of the Flower movie. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so I think that in turn is the, is that deep fake and just being able to, but that, but that is part of uh, what we're going to get into when we we get into the actors portion about one of the things that they're wanting to be able to do with deep fake and all that type of stuff. Um, so let's get into the negatives around. Uh, let's get into the negatives for the um, for that. Right. So first one, first and foremost, job displacement. Yeah. Like that's that's first and foremost, like one of the biggest concerns. Right. So. Yeah. 
obviously with the integration of AI uh, in TV and film, uh, this is inevitable that it's going to lead to concerns that people will lose their job. You know, things like manual tasks, like data analysis, like I'd mentioned before, uh, certain things that happen during post-production activities. So like, you know, editing film and just, and going in and doing all the CGI stuff. Uh, this is all things that humans has handled previously up until this point, right? Uh, now these things can be automated resulting in, you know, helping, helping really reduce the things that are done in jobs in turn, you know, making people not needed on set nearly as much or post-production. Right. So I know that's your number, one of your biggest concerns, right? Yeah. Well, not just in entertainment, but world, I mean, yeah. every industry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know we're talking like some of these things are obviously to the broad, to like the broad industry, the industry yeah. as a whole. Uh, now the second thing I wanted to mention, and I, I only kind of breeze past job, a displacement because I know that's something we've been talking throughout the entire episode so far. Uh, but the ethical dilemma, right? Like that's, that's another negative side of it. Right. So like, you know, obviously as AI um, progresses issues surrounding things like data privacy, AI generated content, deep fakes, like I had already mentioned, you know, this really brings into question regarding like copyright laws uh, intellectual property rights, right. Um, you know, AI's potential to manipulate content. Uh, you know, I think this is really what makes this really a, a pressing concern and, and across all multiple industries, right? Like how many people are going to get in trouble for looking like they did something wrong when it wasn't them to begin with. Right. Yeah. Uh, and how many people are going to use that to get out of situations saying it wasn't them? But, you know what I mean? It could go both ways. People could use it as a scapegoat to say they didn't do anything. And that's not really me. AI did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought it was really well done. And um, because it could have been really easy to make that the main agenda and Mission Impossible. But I thought how they integrated it in was really clever. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that those are really the two biggest uh you know, I know with job displacement, we only gave kind of a couple uh, examples, but obviously writing stories, right? Like that's a big thing that, that that a lot of writers are concerned about, like being able to just enter in a couple prompts and getting a, lo- a loose script and being able to go back and kind of tighten it up a little bit and just saying it's your work. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a big concern. Um, but yeah, and I think a lot of these probably – apply to most industries. Uh, there are just four that I was going to mention specifically about the game industry, and I'm not going to dive too uh, um, too heavily into them, but some positives for the game industry is enhanced gameplay and immersion. I do see that being something that can uh, enhance gameplay. Um, procedural content generation, so being able to use AI, kind of similar to like uh, No Man's Sky, right? Like yeah. being able to create worlds on a whim. Uh, while that is very cool, that could also take away somebody that's job is to design the environment that you're in. You know what I mean? So kind of a double-edged sword there. Uh, I think AI, one thing that's not talked about a lot is um, adaptive difficulty levels based on AI examining how you're playing a game, right? So AI powered difficulty systems really would really assess your skills as a player, as you're playing and adjust as needed to give you an experience that maybe is balanced, you know what I mean? I think it's kind of cool. Uh, and then obviously real-time translation and localization. So I know that seems some real techie words. So what I mean by that is 
AI-driven language translation tools enable games to, to reach global audiences more effectively, so breaking down language barriers. Uh, so when you're working across, uh, across cultures, across languages, um, it would make collaboration a lot easier when you have that real-time um, translation tool, I think would be kind of neat, just something to think about. Um, negative effects real quick, just two of them. Uh, lack of creativity. I think would be one because once again, I mentioned it before when you're pulling from a lot of the same resources online, you're going to see a lot less individuality between people that are developing games. If it's pulling from the same pool of information, the internet provides. Right. Um, and then the big one, other than just like, you know, losing jobs and, and, uh, and, uh, lessening creativity is uh, inequality in gaming access. So not everyone has equal access to AI-driven gaming. Uh, AI-powered hardware and technologies can be expensive. So I think about other uh, studios like more indie studios or up-and-coming uh, up studios that may not have access to the same type of AI tools that the AAA game developers have, right? Um, so that would maybe cause kind of a, kind of a gap there in the market um, and kind of leave the small person behind. So that's really all I had around the rise of AI. Uh, did you have any remarks or anything before we move over to the strike? Um, no, I mean, nothing that I haven't already said. Um, there's a few things I'll talk about when we get to the strike stuff regarding AI because they're worried about it too. Okay. Um, but yeah, nothing really. Okay, perfect. Um, so obviously uh, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, so that's what we have for AI. But what we want to kind of go in towards now is like um, – the writer strike in general and what's going on with that uh, in general, some of that stuff is tied back to AI. Some of it's not. Some of it just has to do with negotiation deals and how actors and writers and everybody is getting paid. Um, but we did think it was important to talk about AI first leading up to this conversation because that's definitely part of what's happening. Um, so obviously with everything that's going on in Hollywood, um, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say that like, that also is not black and white. What's going on with like the, the writer strike, uh, you know, not a lot of people want to come to the table, uh, you know, and create a condition that's fair for everybody to win. A lot of this comes down to the bigger streaming services, right? I know that's a big part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and kind of start off? I definitely have, I have a few points that I want to make that ties also AI into it. Um, yeah. But I'll go ahead and let you start. Go ahead. Uh, the AI, so I'm going to start with the writers. Uh, the AI part's kind of at the end. But um, so basically, the last writer strike was in 2007 to 2008. Um, it lasted for three months and a few days. Uh, we're now at a little over two months. So at the moment, there's no sign of slowing down, especially with what I'm going to tell you here in a little bit. Um, actually, I don't think I have that on here. I thought I copied and pasted that. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> uh, basically, one studio executive said that they're not even going to go to the negotiation table till October because by that point, a lot of these writers will be struggling financially. So good guy, studio, jerk. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, the core issue here comes down to residuals, not AI. AI is a big part, but residuals is a big thing. So during the last writer's strike, a lot of it was about DVD residuals. So residuals are kind of like the extra payments they get for their work still being used. So like kind of like royalties, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like you write a show, you get paid, right? But then that show goes off and it makes a ton of money still from ad sales or streaming sales or whatever. The writers only get a very small part of that. So they're trying to get a bigger piece of that pie. 
Um, and with the resurgence of streaming, the studios have been able to kind of manipulate all of this because there wasn't really an agreement in place from the last one. So that's why we're here. Power to the workers. Um, uh, lost my place. Um, so, so the um, yeah, I did not copy any of my new notes. Over, that's fine. Kind of I, I can cover. Uh, I want to cover an AI portion real quick while you get that figured out, if you want. Um, well, I got it here actually. Oh, uh, do you? okay, go ahead. Yeah. So basically, uh, another writer issue is that they want to have for like this is more for TV shows. A lot of this stuff is really TV show centered, um, but they want to have writers rooms that are minimally staffed, not like fewer people, but like a minimum number of writers, um, and terms for like how length of employment terms, like how long will uh, like if I sign on to work on the bear, you know, you're going to at least keep me for six episodes, right? You can't just hire me for one and then dump me. Um, so that's kind of a big deal. Um, also circling back to residuals. One thing that didn't copy over is like the residuals is kind of like how writers make their money in between shows. There's a lot of turnover in television writing. It's not that they're always constantly em- employed. You know, you may write for a show for six years and that show ends. And you could jump on a pilot that may not get picked up, but the chances of you joining an existing show that's like very successful is pretty slim. So after each show ends, your next job is kind of a gamble. Um, and then they also, uh, they want um, pension and health benefits. Uh, I'm assuming they have some form of it. It didn't go into great detail, but that was rejected as well. Uh, so studios rejected that studios rejected the minimum amount of weeks offered for the term, right. That I mentioned, and they did counter on residuals, but they basically cut their, uh, their request by a few percentage points. So I don't know about that. Um, so if you want to jump into the AI part, feel free. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about more. So some of the threats around uh, what AI is doing for uh, more in depth around like the, the TV and film industry. So one of the big concerns is around automated screenwriting. Uh, that's, that's one of the big concerns there. Um you know, obviously with this, this is a potential of replacing, replacing obviously a human screenwriter um, using obviously algorithms and data around like what are the general plot points, the characters that are involved, and even uh, writing entire scripts at this point. Uh, you know, obviously some argue like with AI generated content, uh, this is obviously going to save money, right? Um, and some studios see this as a solution during the strike, actually. Um, you know, others fear it might diminish uh, unique voices and creativity uh, that human writers bring to the industry, which I know is something that Justin has already mentioned, just around creativity in general. Uh, another thing that I know that, uh, that they want to start utilizing, and this gets into the whole deep fake conundrum, is, uh, and I don't know, I don't know if you were going to talk about this later on, but I can wait or we can talk about it now, but, uh, so with deep fake technology, uh, in the industry, obviously this raises ethical concerns. Like I'd already mentioned, you know, posing, uh, challenges amongst, um, you know, uh, you know, challenges, obviously going into the strike deep fakes, obviously can be really convincing, Right. Being able to superimpose uh, actors likeness and and even their performance their mannerisms, everything. Right. One of the things that they're wanting to do is for background actors. And I don't know if you've read this or not, but what they're wanting to do for background actors is they want them to sign off saying that they can use their likeness, even their voice, their look, everything so that if they want to use them again for a background scene, they can just literally do that as a deep fake without physically them even being there. Yeah. And they don't even have to ask or use their permission once they sign that over. 
Yeah, it's pretty messed up. And they would only, I mean, do they still get paid for that or no? It, I think it varies Probably. depending. Yeah, I just, that's just crazy. I don't know though. Background people usually, they, they don't get paid like a, they get paid like a set rate for a day's worth of work. They don't really get, um, I think it would be a, rates or... I think it would be a flat rate, just like, oh, you're in this, here's a hundred dollars. Like not yeah. the amount of time they're spending in the background, all that stuff. Yeah. But the fact that they want to do that just blows my mind. Because the thing is, is how many people maybe started off as a background actor and then when dis- was discovered, you know what I mean? Or yeah. maybe that's how they got their start. And when you're using their likeness and like not having them even come to set, you know what I mean? That yeah. just really, that really just like lessens the chance that that person is going to get discovered or get farther than just being a background actor, yeah. because you can only go to so many studios and then everybody has your actual background or your actual likeness. And then you, what do you do from there? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Which is crazy to think about. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, so to go back to the writing part a little bit. Um, so a lot of the stuff, either the, the uh, studios either countered or just flat out refused. This is the wording for the WGA proposal. They wanted to regulate the use of artificial intelligence on MBA, which is the minimum basic agreement, basically their labor contract, uh, on MBA-covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and it can't be used as source material, and uh, MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. The studios flat out rejected this. So red flag, alarms are going off, not good, right? kind of tells you their intention okay um this is the part i was referring to earlier so on july 12th uh, deadline hollywood reported that an amptp that's like all the studios they're like posse of i don't know billionaires uh, <laughs> and major hollywood studios did not plan to return to negotiations with the wga until late october at the earliest the studio executives who anonymously spoke with deadline stated that by by october many writers would be financially strained which they believe would allow them to be in a better position to dictate terms of a new deal. So they're just basically going to They're going to starve them out essentially. Yeah, because like let's face it, how many writers can you name for your favorite show? Not Probably not many, right? They're I not I want to say BJ Novak, but you know, well, not around. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> BJ Novak, that's one. Um but like yeah, well like the office for instance. Yeah, you've got your Toby Lieberstein and your Mindy Kaling and your BJ Novak. But there's like a dozen other people that wrote on that show, probably more than that, really. And they're the ones that are going to be suffering in October. And but that's why you see people like BJ Novak or these big celebrities out there with their signs, because like they get it. They understand they are. It seems like they're truly unified. Um, Bob Odenkirk had some pretty good words the other day, because I guess somebody made a remark about um, the premieres for a movie. They couldn't promote like their project. And he was just like, boo-hoo, this is a labor dispute. Suck it up and get your sign out here and let's go. Like, He just yeah. kind of put them in their place. So um, it's kind of messed up. I The writers are in a vulnerable spot because, I mean, with acting, if AI, AI can't really take over acting. Like it could recreate them like once they're dead, but like you can't really have like an AI actor, I don't think. I mean, who knows? But like you could probably train a, an AI to write a movie. Now, would yeah. that movie be good? I don't know. Uh, the Decemberists, it's a band I like. Uh, they're kind of quirky and weird if you don't know them. Um, their lead singer asked Chad GBT to write a Decemberist song, and then he played it. He, he sang the lyrics that it wrote, and it wasn't very good. Um, so it, it lacks it a human element. 
which yeah. is a big flaw. But in 10 years, what's it going to look like? Well, that's what I was going to say. It, it It's not going to get worse from this point. It's only going to get better. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so moving over to the actors real quick. So the union wants a, uh, a big raise. Um, they haven't gotten a big raise since 1988, which I know that's kind of weird terminology. That's not necessarily for like your Brad Pitt's, your DiCaprio's. That's more or less like your background people or your side characters, not like, you know, your major players. Um, they also wanted uh, performers to share uh, their revenue. Oh, hang on, sorry. Uh, when they're oh yeah, they want to share in revenue when their work is streamed rather than a set rate. At the moment, it's a set rate, um, so the studios benefit when more people watch the show, but the performer does not. Um, on the AI, uh, this would require informed consent and fair compensation when a digital replica is made of a performer, or when their voice, likeness, or performance will be substantially changed using AI. Although the AMPTP agreed to some safeguards, the union said their counteroffer failed to address many vital concerns. The studio group requested that consent and separate bargaining for payment must take place at the time of use. Uh, there's some uh, wording on here regarding self-tapes and auditions. So when COVID happened, a lot of auditions happened with you know just taping yourself instead of having to go into a studio. Um, let's see here. And I also, what's that? Oh, go ahead. Then there's some stuff on like uh, meals and rest breaks. So like, I I know it's easy for us people that like work you know job jobs right to look at actors and go I'll quit crying. But like the reality is they it is still work what they're doing, and a lot of their days are 14, 16 hours, and some of them you know they may start 8 a.m. one day and 7 p.m. the next. So it's still a job. Just because they're acting doesn't kind of diminish that they need. Adequate rest breaks and meals. So, like, um, that is something that they're asking for. So, that right there tells you that there's a problem. It's, you know, some regards to just basic needs. Yeah. And I tell you, one of the, I think, biggest things that like changed the, changed how all this works is like just with the rise of streaming platforms. I think that's really where a lot of this comes from because I know one of the big things that they're fighting for is there's not really anything in place that if, an actor or actress does a movie for a streaming service and they just absolutely knock it out of the park. There's no pay scale. If the movie just absolutely crushes it, like they don't get paid anymore. Uh, You know, so I think there needs to be something in there just based on the popularity of the movie. Now that could go either way. Like if we're going to give you more, if the movie makes a ton of money, what do we do? If it's an absolute bomb, do you get paid less? Like, how's that work? You know what I mean? So, just another reason that's like it's just not cut uh it's just not black and white you know what i mean um obviously i think during the strike uh you know the streaming services a lot of the people that are not coming to the table right and i know bob Iger is one of them uh he's actually sending somebody these meetings on his behalf and he's just not even showing up to these meetings um you know and it's it, it it's just some, some of it's just hard to hear of like like you, the things that they're asking for doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like it's too much. You know what I mean? Just based on the amount of money these companies are making, you know what I mean? Um, so I know the big part of it, obviously to your point is, you know, they're really fighting for fair compensation and those residuals, like you had mentioned. Um, you might lose me. You might lose Why? me. We're getting a pretty Why? nasty storm right now. We're getting a nasty okay. storm. 
Uh, well, I'm almost done with my points. Is there anything else you have? I cut out. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Hopefully I yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. But uh, so to your point about the fair compensation, so obviously the core demands, obviously, of the writers and actors remain centered around what like fair compensation looks like and a share of the revenue generated by what they're creating. Um, you know, implementing AI, uh, I just want to kind of tie this into AI as well. Uh, in content creation and distribution introduces really a lot of complexities in determining what the value of the individual contribution is, right? So when you're introducing AI and you're lightening the workload, does that mean that you deserve to make less money? You know what I mean? So I think that in itself also uh, leads to some issues as well. Uh, so that I think in itself is such, uh, really challenging and, and makes compensation a little harder to nail down. Um, and I think also like, Uniting human creativity with AI technology, I think, is really a tricky balance. Like, I think it's going to be a very long time, and if or ever, whatever that means, if we ever find it, where they can kind of coexist and it not be a big deal. Uh, I think it's tricky. So Go one ahead. thing I wanted to bring up. So yeah. last time, right, during the last strike, we were kind of like oversaturated with reality TV shows. Uh, I like your your crazy looking cup there with the green screen behind it. Um, this time we're going to get the same thing, but we've kind of created a new monster where these streaming exclusive shows are going to end up being broadcast on network television. So for instance, um, Paramount plus uh, Yellowstone will start airing on CBS this fall, even though that was a Paramount plus show. They're also going to start airing uh, the British version of the show ghost, which I love the American version. I haven't watched the British one yet. Uh, and Miss Marvel is going to uh, air on ABC in August, which is, I mean, from a business standpoint, pretty smart with the movie coming out. A lot of people probably missed that show. Um, but you're going to start seeing some of these streaming shows, uh, streaming exclusive shows show up on network TV. I could see NBC. Uh, my wife and I talked about this. I could see NBC uh, releasing the Office Superfan episodes uh, uh, on broadcast uh, TV. In fact, I, I noticed that. Um, so, from a speculation standpoint, the newest season should have been out July 1st and it wasn't. And I thought, then I thought they're going to hold on to that for, so they have something to promote in the fall when they should be promoting new shows. Um, so we're going to start seeing a lot of shows that were on streaming. Um, I don't know. Apple's kind of screwed because they don't have a network to affiliate with, but like uh, a lot of the shows that are on FX or uh, Fox or, um, ABC uh, might show up on, or from Hulu, I mean, might show up on those networks. Uh, like the bear might be on Fox this fall. Who knows? Um, so it's a really weird. That is we're weird. In for, we're in for a weird time, I think. I, I think this writer's strike is going to last a lot longer than three months. I mean, we're already a month in, and they're not even willing to go back to the table until yeah, if they Yeah, if they don't even start talking until September, October, and then the negotiation piece, it may be till December until anything happens. Who knows? I mean, it may take even longer. I mean, the actors striking at the same time does, I feel like, give the creatives a little bit of leverage because you go to a movie to see the actors and it, some people, myself included, go for the writer. I mean, there's sometimes I'll watch a movie from a writer and I'll make sure I watch everything they do. I'm not going to the movie for anything with Bob Iger's name on it for the sake of it having Bob Iger's name on it. I don't give a single flying F about Bob Iger. But... I do care about the stuff his studio creates. So yeah, it's, that's it's a fair. weird time, man. It's it is. Time. It is a weird time. Um, 
Uh, anything else to add about the writer's strike before I close out this section? Uh, no. Okay. Well, just a note, because we still got to get into our uh, nod of approval. But uh, before we do so, um, like kind of the last thing I wanted to say is, ultimately, I know we talked about AI. We also talked about the writer strike, how they also intertwine. We also talked about some of the stuff that was outside of AI that had to do with the writer strike. But ultimately, you know, the current writer strike and actor strike is not solely um, – a struggle for fair compensation, but it's also a battle to ensure um, the future of a diverse, inclusive, and also creative entertainment industry. I think the big thing is, is like where human talent and AI uh, innovation coexist. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Um, I'm in the camp of using AI to enhance the output of what we're doing, not, not replace what it is we're doing. Um, I was also thinking about Amazon. I mean, they have warehouses, I think, already that doesn't have any workers or half the workers in them. Yeah. Um, you know, so. I have one more thing to add whenever you get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm done. I, I was just going to oh. say, you know, I would like to see us come to uh, come to some sort of happy medium balance. I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. But I think this isn't going to be something that's solved anytime soon. Not just the strike portion, but just like where does AI fit into our lives? So, yeah. So as Travis mentioned earlier, I was a, I was a history guy, um, and all throughout our, our nation's history, there have been labor disputes. I mean, that's just – that's kind of like – it's one, like one of the most American things I can think of is labor disputes, which is like kind of sad. But from you know from factory workers to rail, uh, railroad uh, workers, I mean, it's, it's from forever it's happened. But I kind of feel like the next milestone labor dispute is this one because it's kind of the first one to tackle AI, at least on a big scale where everyone's paying attention. So what happens here could honestly have a ripple effect in other industries. So, yeah, this, I mean, as dumb as it sounds, the writers and actors strike could very well be making history for what our workforce looks like going forward. So here's the plot twist. You ready for the plot twist? What is it? Every bit of everything I read you tonight about this argument was all drafted up by AI. Dear God, Travis. Every section. Heck? Well, no, I'm doing this to further drive the home. The oh point home. God. So you had AI do your job. That was the whole point of this exercise. Oh my God. I genuinely did not know this. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to keep it separate. Cause I thought you repeated yourself a few times. Shit's getting real. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Is I wanted to do this to just further drive the point home that like less than a paragraph of prompts gave me two pages of notes, not only on the rise of AI, but also uh, how that ties into the writer's strike. Every bit of that. God, that's so depressing. I know. And I didn't do that just because I wanted it to do my job. I did it to just basically you drive said home. You had those notes for a week. You probably typed it in like a minute before. That's probably why we were delayed. No, no, that's not why. I did that. At, <laughs> I did that at two o'clock today before I went to watch Oppenheimer. So wow. I just wanted right. to, I just wanted to do this as kind of like a this is what AI is doing and I'm not a fan of it. So um yeah. but to be fair, I also wanted to see what kind of arguments it would make against itself. You know what Hold I mean? Hold up. What's We've that? had people in here all night and we haven't had comments since the very first like opening minutes. What the heck, guys? It's cuz they hate No us. one chimed in on the AI debate. I thought we would for sure get some interaction there. No. People people wow. probably find it very very boring. But anyways, uh, with that being said, uh, I am very much in the camp around, like I, I will say this in closing, 
I want AI to be used if we're going to utilize it in a way to enhance our output, not to get rid of or replace what we're doing or, or stifling creativity. Uh, that's where I that's where I kind of am at with that. But I only did that because I wanted to just drive home the point that like this is what it's used for now. Like you know what I mean? It's all kinds of crazy stuff. I think Max Welber, his channel, I do believe he created a rap as a diss track, or he created a rap diss track. For a fellow streamer that he did utilizing he he used ai to write that that's cool um you know so it could be all used it, it's just wild and it's going to be a it's going to be a while till we figure all this out yeah but anyways um let's go ahead and get into nod of approval uh do you have one i, I don't actually i haven't had i guess mission impossible dead reckoning one i mean okay i need to let you all know i mean i know i said it before but like i'm like a huge fan of mission impossible now like i'm I really surprised honestly one. i mean they're so good they are they, they are, are. So good and dude the masks they give me every time gee the whole thing i do that yeah um it's i will say to your point like you would think as many movies as they're in now there's no way like the last one will be as good as the it, somehow they just keep getting better. And I don't know how, you know what I mean? They do. Hang on. I got something for you here. Okay. It's a, uh, I already see it. Hang on. I got something for you here. Hang on. It, it better not be mission impossible music. No, it's not. Hey, Justin, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. He just, uh, came in with a, uh, pick of the week, but I we have a private eye, huh? Oh, I hired him a hundred years ago to find out if your father was cheating on me. He Where never did find Oh, she's not going to do it. He can't be very good then. Uh, uh, what did you find? Don't get up. I just defined the supplies. Is because Every time I'm a private detective. Gene Parmesan, how are you? <laughs> just pulls his nose off. Yeah, that's me. Every time they pull the mask off of Mission Impossible, I'm like, ah! I'm just glad believe. you. I'm just glad you did because I've never watched the rest of the development, and uh, it you just gives, it just gives me context to what it is that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. dude, you got to watch that show. I just don't think it's my sense of humor, buddy. Dude, if you like The Office, you'll love that show. Everybody said the same thing about Parks and Rec, and I'm not. I've not made it. How past far the did first. you get in Parks and Rec? First season. First season sucks. Oh my god, go back. You're missing out on so much with Parks and Rec. Uh, okay we'll see seriously season one is like not good right you're the second person to tell me that season two and beyond it's like a magical show and arrested development is good for the first three seasons and then it gets four and five aren't real they don't count oh, i meant that to tell you uh galaxy con uh the guy the main guy joel whatever from uh community is gonna be there joel McHale. Uh, yeah. Terry and his wife, uh, Dez, are watching Parks and Rec. So now well, it's time for you to watch it. Oh, and Justin says it gets better after the second season. Watch it, dude. Watch that and the bear. I hope I'll tell you true. what. Thought... Watch the bear, right? And then when you, your anxiety gets too high from the bear, watch some Parks and Rec. I don't. Perfect. I like the, uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, that works. All right, yeah. Uh, but mine's going to be Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I feel like I want to say Oppenheimer, but I just feel like that's a cop out. Uh, yeah, it is. Says the guy that just saw Mission Impossible when he beat Final Fantasy 16, and that wasn't his pick. I saw that. Well, I, that was my pick like for two weeks in the last like four weeks. So. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I got to cool it somewhere with Final Fantasy 16. That that's fair. Uh, I mean, Oppenheimer was fantastic. However, uh, 
I'm trying to think. Oh no, uh, the last season of uh, Jack Ryan. That's mine. Okay. Uh, if you you would probably like it since you like some espionage, like Maybe. spy stuff. Uh, Other masks. Would, and it's no, but it is uh, John Krasinski. I mean, yeah. come on, bro. Uh, Jim if he's not acting like Jim Halpert, though, I don't. I don't think I'm really a fan, honestly. <laughs> It's honestly, though, kind of like uh, it kind of reminds me if Splinter Cell was to make a game, it, it'd probably be that, honestly. Okay. And nice. what's crazy, and I may have said this before, it's like, and this is uh, this is weird to say since we talked about Rise of AI, but uh, they have a dedicated team that studies in the show. They have a dedicated team that studies the political climate and they base the plot of the season based on what's going on with real world events and do, and they kind of predict what maybe hasn't happened. But then like the whole thing, the last season was basically everything that happened that ended up being the whole like uh Russian uh, invasion uh, that's recently happened. It, and that was before it even happened. And then like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's wild. It's it's crazy, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, my pick of the week would be uh, Jack Ryan, the last season. Um, but but Oppenheimer was great. Uh, you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, if Splinter Cell made a game, it'd be Jack Ryan. <laughs> Here, I want that on a shirt. Here's the here's the tie-in. Right, both of those are Tom Clancy franchises, so you could both suck it. That's true. So. Yeah, so there was a reason I said what I said, Terry. Look at you. Um, all right. Well, I think that's everything. Is there anything else you want to add? I got nothing. I would like to say um, for anybody that would like to see – oh, just kidding. Uh, for anybody that would like to see any specific content, feel free to like reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Uh, you can also reach out to us on snail mail. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't ever check that, but – I think you have access to that. I don't know if I have access to that. Okay. But anyways. We never got uh, Yeah, yeah. But uh, but also, if you are watching or listening and you haven't, please go over to our – God, this is so cringe for me to even say. I don't even want to hear the words leave my mouth. Threads? Go over to, no. Go. Do we have a Threads account? I don't think we do. Yeah. Well, I guess we naturally would, yeah. But no, I want you to go follow our TikTok. The reason I say that is we need to get to 1,000 followers before we can actually go live on TikTok. So and we have three. Yeah, we have three. We so have. Do we really have three? No, I think we're up to like 11 or 12 now. Oh, but if you're listening problem. to the show or watching the show and you have a TikTok account. Ew, I'm not going to put Terry's comment up there. Oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even see what he said. Yuck. Did he say yuck? Yeah, he said yuck. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, but anyways. Terry. Okay. I'll put this one up. Okay. That's the only one. <laughs> For some odd reason, I for some odd reason I can't. Uh, my my browser is frozen; it won't let me click on anything, so I have no idea what's happening. Oh, oh I see, I see what he said. I see yeah. what he said. <laughs> but anyways, that does it for this episode of uh, Nerds with Mike's episode one thirty nine: The Rise of AI and the Writer Strike. Justin, I don't have anything else to add. You good? I'm good. All right. Well, until next time. That does it for us uh, at Nerds with Mikes, and we'll see you same time next week. Yes? I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. I can't get to the outro. So. <laughs>